Good morning, church. Just a few uh, announcements as we get started. Uh, for those that uh, didn't get to come to the service, uh, we'll have another outdoor service June the 7th, but it's going to start at 9.30 in the morning. So realize that June the 7th at 9.30. If the weather is bad, the deacons have said if it's rain or things of that nature, the service will be called off. Okay, We will not have services on the days of inclement weather. And uh, you can just look online uh, as usual to, to get the service that day. Uh, you'll be contacted, look for the Facebook groups or through your deacon contacting his family groups to know if that is happening. Uh, then I'm going to ask one favor, another favor. The younger folks that can easily walk, please park further down. Park down on the pavement further down so that the older folks can uh, ha- have a good parking spot. I know several who could just barely walk had to park way off because it was a little bit late. So uh, younger ones, if you'll help me out with that, I would greatly appreciate that, please. Uh, this morning I wanted to look at Psalm uh, chapter 46. Uh, this is uh, uh, a song from the so- sons of Korah. It's a song of Alamoth. And uh, that was a technical term that meant uh, uh, basically for those with a higher pitched voice. It was usually for women uh, would sing the higher parts of this song. Uh, <clears throat> it says this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried away in the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kings were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks down the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. Let's pray. Father, uh, let this uh, psalm speak to our hearts and our circumstances this morning. Speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Make your word come alive. Let it go forth with truth and power to accomplish what you have for it. Let the decisions that need to be made for Christ Jesus be made today. These things I pray for his glory and your honor. In his name I pray. Amen. Uh, If you can imagine a situation in which uh, the most powerful entity on earth was chasing you. And they had it out for you. You were a wanted criminal. You'd be brought to justice and summarily executed. Uh, They were just always on the run, on the hide, uh, always in fear of someone finding you. If you can imagine that, then you uh, could almost imagine what it was like for the great reformer, Martin Luther. Uh, He was excommunicated from the Catholic Church simply because he disagreed with their doctrine. After reading his Bible, he came to the conclusion that we are saved by faith alone 
in Jesus Christ alone, by grace alone. And we need to understand that that was a bold statement. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church at that time had their own army. They called on armies of others that were Roman Catholics of the countries. And uh, when Rome made an edict, it was pretty final. When they said that uh, you were cast out as a heretic, uh, your days were very numbered. And yet Martin Luther at the Diet of Worms, when asked to recant and asked if he stood on that verse by faith alone, he said so God would help him, he stood there by faith alone. But God had already prepared the hearts of several German princes and they protected Martin Luther. And the great reformer lived till I think about 62 or 63 when he died of a stroke after continuing his work for many years. Um, why do I tell that story? Because from this psalm, which is one of Luther's favorites, we need to understand that our God is dependable in all of life. Our God is dependable in all of life. And that's why I entitled this message, Trust God. And so I wanted to look at several things about this psalm uh, this morning. The first one being in the first three verses, notice God's help. Notice God's help. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth should be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. God's help. Uh, <clears throat> there are several things that we need to notice from these three verses. It says, God is our refuge. The word our there points back to God, but it means a personal relationship. Sometimes we forget that the lost don't know this kind of help. The lost don't know this kind of comfort. Those without Jesus don't have what we possess as Christians, a personal relationship with the living God of the universe. Do we understand that? God is our help. All right? It goes on and it says, He is our refuge and strength. The word refuge there uh, means a defensive place. It means a place of sa safety. It, it speaks of a personal relationship, okay? And it speaks of, of uh, really our salvation and the, the external, external nature of our salvation. Um, I'm going to explain that. It means that, that God um, saved us eternally. In other words, He guards His children. God is good at guarding his children. He takes care of us. He doesn't cut and run at the first sign of trouble. He's not overwhelmed by the problems that we experience in life. He's not afraid of anything. God is our refuge, our safe place, the place where we go when we can't go anywhere else, the place we should go first of all. You see, Jesus said this, No one is greater than my Father, 
And no one can snatch them, speaking of his, his children, his disciples. No one can snatch them out of his hand. That's what John 10, 28 says. So he is our refuge here in this life and in the life to come. But especially now, when there's troubles on every hand, when people are experiencing all kinds of things, when the world is turned upside down, God is our refuge. And then he says, and strength. Strength really talks to the inner aspect of our salvation. It means when we were without strength, in other words, we couldn't save ourselves. We were pressed down by our sins. We were going to pay the penalty of the sins, which is death, by ourselves. Then Jesus called us to himself. He searched us out. He found us. He drew us to himself. He saved us. He's our strength. He gave us power. He empowered us for living now, for action. And that's what the word strength there means. It means when the weak are empowered for action. We, weak as we may be, cannot control life. We can't handle it. If you think you can, you're deceiving yourselves. You're living in a fairy tale land. Everybody who thought they could control their life and they depended on money and jobs and their health and resources, this time of pandemic has turned that on its head. Businesses who thought they were secure are now wondering if they're going to make it. Government thought that it had things in hand. The medical field was too advanced to have something like this happen. But God said, watch this. And we found out we're weak. We need help. We need strength. That strength for believers comes from God. He empowers the weak. Think about it. He gives us his Holy Spirit for action. He saved us. He indwelled us. He empowers us for living right now, even to face fears and problems. So it's God's help. He says he's a very present help in time of trouble. The word very present there is an interesting word to me in the Hebrew. It has a lot of different implications or meanings, but its main one is this. It means that God has a readiness to be found. He says, Search for the Lord while he may be found, okay? Uh, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You understand that what he's saying is God isn't trying to hide in the midst of this. He's not playing peekaboo, can you see me? He's right there waiting for his kids and the lost to turn to him. To realize that he is a very present help in time of trouble. That he is willing to be found. That he wants to hear us. That he wants to help us. That he wants to gain victory for his name and his glory. You see, he's not going to leave us in trouble. And we need to understand that. He goes on and says, therefore. In other words, because of all those things about God. Because he's near. Because he's refuge. Because he's our strength. Therefore, we will not fear. We won't fear. But then I see the those. T-H-O-U-G-H. Plural. S. When you look there, he tells us, even if these things happen, we're not going to fear because we know the God who's completely for us. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, 
though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. He's talking here about some things we take for granted. We walk upon this soil, this sod, this earth, and we think it's pretty stable. We tend to think of those great mountains and look at them and and they last for so many thousands of years and we think stability, strength, until an earthquake happens and the strength and the stability changes like that. The the Hebrew word there means to totter, sort of like a child that's learning how to walk and they go tipsy-turving around. It means to dance and to fall. When the earth does that and the mountains do that, and even if the <clears throat> earth is gone, the mountains are cast in the sea, yet then, even though that happens, we will not fear, for the God of Jacob is with us. Our God is with us. We're not going to fear. And basically what he's talking about is this, okay? Because he talks about, though the Seas roar in some kind of great cyclone or some kind of great hurricane. And though the rivers are stirred, in other words, great floods, and, and they wipe everything in its path away. And, and with all that strength and all that awful power, God is still stable. And he's reminded us that when life that we thought was stable turns upside down, when that which was totally dependent depended upon is wiped away God is still there for us he is still dependable he is still there he said I will never leave you nor forsake you do we understand that do you understand that promise is for us it speaks of his help all right we need to understand that now when the storms of life howl Where do we place our trust? Again, speaking of Martin Luther, one of the heroes of the faith to a lot of people. uh, Because the spies of Rome and because of the armies of Rome, because of the assassins of Rome trying to find him and take his life and, and the dangers surrounding he and his family, he was often despondent, depressed, if you will. And he was moping around in one of those bad depression blue periods of his life and his wife sort of went and got up and left the room she came back dressed in her mourning clothes her gray funeral dress and she sat there and he looked at her and knowing what the dress was a mourning dress he said who died and she calmly replied god did he said god didn't die that's absurd god is eternal he's immortal And she said, if you really believe that, quit acting like God is dead. And according, if I have my history correct, it was after that, he read this 46th Psalm and he wrote the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. I think we need to remember that our God is eternal, that he is immortal, that he is still on his throne. He's a mighty fortress. And we need to ask, are, are we acting like God is dead? Are, 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 is he our strength or refuge? Has it failed? If so, where did we really place our trust? Because he's a very present help in time of trouble. Luther said it this way, a mighty fortress is our God. 
a bulwark never failing, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. We don't know what a bulwark is because most of us hadn't been to war. It would be like a mound of dirt that you sat at the top of and hid behind and you shot at the enemy on the other side and they could not overcome it. Or it would be like a parapet, a, a walkway on the top of a castle wall that you hurl down stones and spears and arrows and the enemy cannot approach. It cannot overcome. And he says God is that. He's a bulwark never failing. Our helper amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing, all the things that happen in life. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not as equal. Then he goes on, did we in our own street confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the God of man's own choosing? Dost thou ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he, the Lord of Sabbath, his name from age to age, and he must win the battle. That's where our trust is to be, in God's help. He's always helped us, and he will, because we belong to Jesus Christ. But I don't just see that in the midst of here. There's so many other things we can talk about. This psalm is rich uh, with... with uh, uh, with God. And uh, let's look at verses 4 through 7 and see not only God's help, but our peace. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our strength. Come behold the works of the Lord. I think I skipped some verses. I'm sorry. Go back to verse 4. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, a holy place of the tabernacle, the most high. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. You see, when it talks about there is a river, we need to understand there is a river. Uh, there's a river that makes glad the city of God. Most ancient cities were built near rivers because when they were attacked, they had to have a steady water supply. They had to have something to endure the siege from. Israel didn't have that until the time of Hezekiah. We need to understand that Judah or Jerusalem was not built beside a river. And so what happened? Well, most Bible scholars think that this psalm was written about an event that took place uh, in Isaiah 36 and 37. That's the historical context of the psalm. It happened during Hezekiah's reign, and Jerusalem was in a desperate situa situation. You see, I think it was Sennacherib that was there at the, at the gates, and he was going to uh, siege the walls, and Hezekiah had prepared for this. And the way he had prepared for that is that he had, he had, he had gone to the stream, the Gihon stream, and he would built an underground, walled-in aqueduct that took it into the city. So they had a water supply. But more than that, our peace came in that Hezekiah didn't depend on his army or his strength to defeat this great multitude. It says he prayed and God answered his prayer. And the next morning after he prayed, the angel of the Lord had killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. 
and the city had peace. See, there's a river that makes glad the city of God. I think that that you can see that in a lot of ways. Uh, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, he warns us of some things that maybe we need to remember our peace. He says, for my people have committed two evils. First of all, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. You know what Jesus said? We're going to read that in a minute. And he says, secondly, they've hewn for their, themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. I don't know if you've ever had to drink out of a cistern. Uh, briefly, when we first moved to Kansas and were farming, we were uh, putting in a place for us to live. And all we had to drink out of was an old cistern that you lowered and you didn't. It just collected rainwater. Well, the problem was you had to almost boil it to keep the bugs out of it. It was nasty. Even after you boiled it, it tasted bad. Uh, we got sick at one point and, and Dad had to clean out the cistern. Uh, and there were two dead squirrels in it. Nasty. And he says, not only do they deal cisterns that hold stale, stagnant water, but their cisterns have a crack, have a hole. They hold no water. They are no help. See, our peace doesn't come from our possessions, our relationships, our jobs, our prestige, our intellect, our strength. Our peace comes from God, the one who is the fountain of living waters. That's what Jesus said. He said it in, uh, in John uh, chapter 4, verse 14. He's talking to the Samaritan woman. In verse 13 he says, Whoever drinks of this water from that well will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. He goes on in Matthew chapter 7 at the great feast, okay? And on the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures said, out of his heart shall flow uh, rivers of living water. And he spoke this concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him should receive, for the Holy Spirit had not yet become upon them, because Jesus had not been glorified. And in the book of Revelation, he tells us people to come to him and he will give them water of life freely without charge. We find the river of God flowing by bearing 12 kinds of fruit to heal the nations. You can take that as hyperbole. You can take it as literal. But the main thing to remember is there's a river that makes glad the city of God. It's God's presence with us. God himself is our hidden resource you see, we, we may not be able to see God, but we can feel him. We know he lives in our hearts if we're Christians. We know he speaks to us by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Okay? And if you have lost your peace, then maybe we've moved or maybe we've placed it the wrong way. You see, because God is with us, we won't be moved, even though these other things happen. It says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her just at the break of dawn. When you look at a lot of miracles in the Old and New Testament, they happen right at the break of day. God's going to get with it while the day is early. God's timing may not be our timing, but it's always the right timing. But the thing that we need to remember about the break of dawn is he's writing to these Hebrews 
It reminded them of the greatest miracle of their deliverance. When God led them out of the promised land. And they came to the Red Sea and encamped. And Pharaoh and his mighty chariots and army was rolling down, thundering down upon them. And the pillar of cloud got in between them. And it was light to them and dark to the Egyptians. And Moses stretched out his rod at the command of God. And with his breath, with the nostrils of his breath, he blew apart the Red Sea. And it heaped up. And Israel marched across on dry ground. Now, I, in my mind, I see that that pillar of clouds right there behind the stragglers. And the Egyptians are trying to come in. And when they come out the water on the other side and God lifts the pillar of cloud, they come rushing and the dawn is breaking and the waters cover up the Egyptians. He helped them right at the break of dawn. When you're at your darkest moment, remember, God is there to help you at the break of dawn. Hang on. There have been so many that have lost loved ones that have not been able to properly grieve now. been so many that have lost jobs. been so many that are having other kinds of problems. And we can't uh, really socialize, you know, and, and we're meant to socialize. You know, we miss socialization. Even I, who have uh, tendencies to be a hermit, miss seeing people. And being able to go out and eat with people. Be able to go out and, and do things with people. Maybe play uh, disc frisbee golf. What do you call it? Disc golf. Okay. Maybe uh, it's going fishing with a bunch of guys. Maybe it's maybe it's just gathering together and eating breakfast down at the local cafe at the Spit and Willow Club. But we miss that. We can't take that for granted. Don't get depressed. The God who caused the waters to close in on them helped them at the break of dawn. The God who who helped Israel when that 185,000 army was attacking the gates, attacked at the night. I can just see it right before the break of dawn. The angel goes through and all that army is destroyed. And they depart what's left of them. My goodness, what a God we serve. See, God always knows the perfect time. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted, that's our God. He says, remember, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. Salah is used several times in this hymn. Salah is, is, it means a pause. It says the great choir is up there singing and they just stop. And it gives the audience time to reflect. And, and we, when we see Salah, we need to stop and think about what God said to us in the psalm. And one writer said you could really translate it this way. They stop and they look intently at you. And the, the, the meaning is, well, what do you think of that? What do you think of that when you read about what God does for us? What do you think about that? Our help and our peace. Is in the God of Jacob. He is our refuge. What do you think of that, church? So we have God's help. We have God's peace. And then in verses 8 through 11, notice God's glory. He says, to come and behold the works of the Lord. That come and behold 
is a Hebrew word that means to prophesy. But it means to have, really it means to have that divine insight where God shows you the future. And some of these things will happen in the future. He, he, he shows what he's going to do in the future. Come and behold the works of the Lord who has made the desolations in the earth. In other words, some countries that thought they would last forever have been brought low. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. There's coming a time there'll be no more war. He breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot, the most mighty war machine of that day, with fire. Can you imagine? He does those things. See, our God is still all-powerful. Our God will bring history to the conclusion he wants it to. It won't be with a whimper. It'll be with a bang, and it'll be his bang. It's not going to be some virus. It's going to be God saying, that's enough. And Jesus comes back for his own. But then he gives us some commands. Be still. It means to hush, to be quiet. To cease moving. Be still. It's a command. Could it be that some of our peace and some of our problems that weigh so heavily upon our minds and our hearts are because we won't take the time to be still and then obey the second command? Be still and know that I am God. Do we know the God of gods? Do we know the one true God? Do we know Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. Have we been still and focused on his word and prayed? Have we been still and let him commune with us and fill us with his spirit and nourish us and give us the strength to make it through another day? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There's coming a day. Even the Apostle Paul saw that day in Philippians chapter 2. He speaks of Christ coming in the form of a man, in the form of a hum- servant. And he, he became obedient to death, the death of the cross. And then he was raised from the dead. In verse 9 he says, Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which above every name, the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Some of us confess him as Savior now, willingly, gratefully, drawn to him by his grace. Praise the Lord. Some others are waiting, thinking that they don't have to do that. There's coming a time when everything above heaven, under heaven, in heaven, on earth, under earth, above earth, everything at that time will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord as they bow their knees to his magnificent glory. For he is worthy. And then he reminds us with the last verse. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You see, we need to ask ourselves, have we trusted that God? Are we still walking with him? Are we living for him? Do we still claim our promises? The last two verses of a mighty fortress is our God, and then I'm going to quit. And though this world with devil's field should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph, Through us, 
The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth unbidden still. His kingdom is forever, forever, forever. Our God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. May God bless you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May keep you well and your loved ones well. And we look forward to seeing you again. Have a good day.